0: there i'm leslie goodburn you're listening to the purple rainbow pancreatic cancer podcast in the podcast we look at pancreatic cancer across its impacts outcomes and future treatment and support we'll hear from patients loved ones about the reality of the diagnosis we'll hear from surgeons oncologists and nurses about the work they do to support people who are affected We'll hear about the wonderful work done by researchers to find a breakthrough in understanding and treatments for the future. We hope that as a result of the podcast, you'll learn more about the signs and symptoms, about how this diagnosis affects the family, about the hope for the future. Thank you for listening. Charlotte and I look forward to you joining us on our journey through pancreatic cancer throughout the 30 days of November. With contributors from across the world. The Purple Rainbow podcasts are produced as part of Seth's legacy in memory of my wonderful, kind, curious, funny husband, Seth Goodbrow.
1: Welcome to today's episode. I'm Charlotte, and today It's almost like a bonus, you've got two people on the uh, podcast today to listen to, not just me, me and two other guests. So you've got Jane Holt, who is a cancer support worker with the upper GI team at St. Helens and Knowsley Hospitals, and Claire Bowman as well. She's an upper GI cancer nurse specialist at Whiston Hospital. So I spoke to these two about what it is that they're doing and they've got a really special initiative that they're, they're concentrating on at the moment. But to start with, I asked them both what it is that they do kind of like day to day, what their jobs really involve. And you'll hear from Jane first.
2: My role is uh, to support the cancer nurse specialists um, to provide the coordination and information and communication between the patients and um, whether that be sort of referring them on to sort of the health and social care systems or uh, signposting them onto whatever, you know, areas they need to be referred on to. Basically, just emotional support, um, whatever concerns you've got, just dealing with them as they come. And that can be done in sort of a via a telephone clinic that we sort of monitor. Uh, I have sort of a group of my own patients that are sort of like non-complex patients, as we like to call them. So it's just keeping in touch with them at a regular basis, whatever they want, whether it be every week, twice a week, you know, once a month. It's just knowing that they've got somebody there really to speak to.
3: Our hospital is a small district general hospital, so we're not one of the big cancer centres. So we do a lot of diagnosing um patients. They get referred in from the GP. So we're picking them patients up hopefully a diagnosis um, and supporting them all the way through until transitions to palliative care and until death and hoping to support the relatives after the patients have sadly passed away as well
1: and palliative care is something that's really important isn't it that, that it's done that it's done right and it's done well how are you working on that to make sure that that, that is something that happens just a
3: little bit of history. Our um, our lead nurse, Barbara, who I'll name and shame, um, is also I heard on one of your other podcasts a bit of a professional mitherer. Um, oh, she is. <laughs> oh yes, she very much so is. Um, she's got a real passion for improving the care for our patients. Um, so she mithered that much our cancer um, team and our gastro team who we sit with um, that they got some money from Matt millen and put together a project so she went off doing a project for 12 months sourced out where the downfalls were with support for our pancreatic patients and actually increased our workforce from three cns's to a workforce of now nine including um as well as two dieticians um to support all of our upper gi patients but also um pancreatic patients um, and we focused a lot of that on supporting the palliative patients um, and we've got quite a few new clinics together
1: um, from that. Fabulous and for people that are unclear about what palliative care really means and what it involves what could you just explain that to them a little bit please? When they're diagnosed sadly most pancreatic cancer
3: patients are have metastatic disease or inoperable disease um, so even if they don't have symptoms that require the palliative care services as such it's just supporting them through that diagnosis whether that be with support from Jane I'm just referring them on to any services and supporting them to making sure they live well even though they've got a terminal diagnosis that they live well for that time and we keep them as well as possible so kind of living with cancer um, and hoping that they have a good quality of life while they are, while they can.
1: And Jane, what does that look like for, for you in the support side of things? I think I
2: get the good job, to be fair. It's, it's, it's quite humbling really to spend time with these pe- the patients and the families because it is about the families as well. You know, we support the families al- along the way, sometimes more than the patients because they don't want to interact sometimes the patients don't want to interact it's um the carers need the support so it can start from the minute they're in hospital or from the first point of diagnosis and that contact stays all the way through you know I I can meet patients um in clinics and from that on you just form a relationship and it it stays and it's you know it stays till end of life for some patients you know we've got a lot of lovely patients and you know to see them to the, through to the end of life it's it's humbling but again you you know you feel like well I feel like I've made a difference to that patient and even after after the patient you know has passed away we still have contact with the families just to make sure that how you know that they're doing alright or if there's anything else we can help them with
1: before we press record you both you talking about this a new initiative that you're you're, you're working on at the moment could you what if you want to tell me about that, please? We've got
3: several, but the main one that Jane and unfortunately Marie, who was going to be doing this podcast, has mainly been involved with, it's called Tea with the Team. Um, and it's we've sourced a room at our local hospice. So it is for all our palliative patients, but it's a nice environment. And it's not for everyone who requires hospice care. Um, they come with a carer or their family or... A lot of them come on their own, um, and it's for two hours once a fortnight. Um, we have guest speakers, so we've got a big list of who we've invited to talk. So we've had dietitians, we've had the Carers Society. Um, who else have we had? Jane.
2: Um, we have had. Well, we've got a Matt Millen speaking coming up, haven't we? We've got. We've got. Um, we have mindfulness meditation. We've got yoga coming up as well, chair yoga.
3: And we've had an event specially just for carers, um, which was extremely well received. Um, So we're hoping to plan another event to involve carers and the relatives of those patients who have died um, because they do still, they have found a huge amount um, of benefit of attending them sessions, just talking to each other.
1: And that's a little bit like what you said, Jane, about that, that. The support continues, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, definitely, definitely does. I mean, we've got patients like, you know, the, sorry, the relatives that come now and they, you can see the the bonds being formed around that table. And it's, you know, it's, it's lovely to see.
1: And tea with the team. It sounds practical as well as... Emotionally supportive as well, so you know that you've got different, like the carers' side of things, but it's also that that mindfulness, that that chair yoga. It feels like there's something for everyone to to to, to benefit from. Yeah, there
3: is, because you know we are a small hospital. We can't change the outcomes for the patients, but we can support them through it, um, and hopefully make them. Their quality of life better and give them better relationships with us and they can ask us it gives them the opportunity and access to us on a, a fortnightly basis to ask a lot of questions that they would never pick up the phone and ask so there's always a cure isn't the Jane of, of people wanting to ask us questions which I wouldn't pick the phone up and ask a silly question but if I'm sat in a room with somebody I will
1: ask that feels really beneficial just it's just having that space to have that to be able to ask that question without like you say, how often do many of us pick up the phone and ask a question? We won't because you don't want to bother somebody because you're terribly busy. You, you don't want to be the annoying person that gets in the way of you doing, you know, this is my thoughts, you know, I don't want to get in the way of you doing your job. You've got more important people to deal with or people who are more poorly than me or what. Everyone is always up above the queue and you always put yourself last, don't you, in the queue? Yeah,
3: and they do. And we know that, we realise that. So it does give them more opportunity. We thought at first there would be a barrier of people coming to the hospice because it's frightening. If you say, come and see us at the hospice, it initially puts the barriers up. But when we explain to them where it is and once they come, the feedback has been amazing.
1: It really has. Hospices are really special places, aren't they? And I I think we get that fear because you associate them with people dying, but actually they can be some of the most energizing and life-filled places.
2: We found that on the on the, on the Friday afternoons, it's sort of like it's not it's, it's not it's quite happy, isn't it? It's quite a lovely, happy, relaxed atmosphere. I think that's what patients have picked up on, and the relatives that that after you know the relaxed atmosphere. And it's linked them into the other services as well that the services have to have to offer. Just the day, ser- like the day therapy services, which they wouldn't have probably been involved in. Um, and that's sort of benefited quite a lot of our patients.
1: I do think people feel like they're going to get wheeled into a hospice and they're never going to leave never again. Never going to be
2: seen again. Yeah, it is. So it's nice
1: to break down those barriers. Yeah, I was going to say that brings it, you know, it helps people get that make it a bit more accessible for for them as well. Yeah. Obviously, we've mentioned a few of the benefits, but what have you seen in changes in patients who've been using this, this service? What differences have you seen in them? Um...
2: Well, I've had a particular patient who, sort of, at the beginning was sort of like, oh, that's not it, no, it's not really for me. And then we've, you know, we've been saying, oh, why don't you come this week? Why don't you come this week? And in the end, I, I went to pick her up to bring her to the session because she was like, she, she was struggling with transport, which is another thing. We can, if they are struggling, we, we'll go and get them or we'll arrange taxis for them. So we, we, you know, we brought her to it. And I, on the way out, I'll never forget her because she was, she said, oh, sure, I really, really enjoyed that. You know, and it was one. It was just a lovely thing to hear. And then she was linked. She was one that was linked into the services after that, and attended other, other workshops that they had on offer. So for her, it sort of opened, you know, other other avenues for her, and sort of give her probably things that she would never have done before. She lived alone, so she was quite lonely. So it was company for her. She met other patients who become friends along friends along the way.
1: So you really gave her that opportunity to to live well. At the, you know with the cancer she had
2: yeah yeah definitely
1: yeah and it breaks down them barriers
3: for when they do need the services from the hospice and the community McMillan team they're not so frightened of them that it comes with a nice side to it because there is that fear still you know we see it every day when we say you need we need to refer you to the McMillan team or the hospice. They are still frightened whereas if we can break down them barriers before them services are needed it can help
1: it's a scary time for everybody you know you meant even just mentioning the word cancer that's that's scary enough and then when you go and look up what pancreatic cancer is like that's another level of scary as well so it's nice to be able to just have that reassurance and just that comfort i guess
2: for them, I think it's seen other people in the same, you know, the same predicament as them, so that that itself is, is it helps them along the way.
3: Yeah, because not many people have heard of pancreatic cancer. You know, it, it's not as, dare I say, pink and fluffy as some of the other cancers. It, it's grim and it, it comes with poor outcomes generally, so it is really scary time. For them and their families.
1: So for people who are listening, what would be your your message this November, this Pancreatic Cancer Awareness Month?
3: Come and find your local upper GI nurses um, and help, you know, be referred to all the services that are available. Because I'm sure, you know, every area has the services. We're just very fortunate that we've been able to put these things together and hopefully, you know, in future we'll be able to roll them out to other areas so everyone
1: gets equal care wherever they live. I'm not letting you get away about saying anything.
2: Just push for the services that are there and use them. They are there for you know, for, the, for, your, for their benefits and, and the family as well. People are there to help
1: and want to help. I think that's the important thing, isn't it? People do want to help.
3: Yeah, and there's lots of services there. I mean, before we had Jane as our cancer support worker, we had no idea that there were so many services out there That for the carers as well. And they're there and they exist, but we just didn't know about them. But Jane has found all these things out for us and helped all of our patients.
2: Oh, it's just a, it's a lovely job. I, I I do love my job. I really do. But yeah, it's just sourcing that care and what's out there and signposting on to the services because there are so many services out there.
1: Thank you so much to Claire and to Jane for spending time with me. They were both very busy, so it was a real privilege for me to be able to have some time with them to find out what it is they do. Don't forget, you're getting an episode every weekday throughout November for Pancreatic Cancer Awareness Month. So that's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, in case you weren't sure what a weekday was. Um, And obviously you can go to our website, purplerainbow.co.uk, to find out a bit more about what it is we do.